0: Happy Independence Day. I am so glad that you are able to join us for our worship gatherings today. We're so glad that you're a part of the New Beginnings community. Let's be real. This is actually a strange, surreal year to be celebrating Independence Day. Much of our country is shut down or sheltered in place in one extent or another, and we're all feeling the pain and frustration of that loss of freedom. The recent deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor emphasize to us yet again that the promise of freedom and liberty is not equally shared by all. And here at MBCC, with our diverse church community, we're all grieving this sense of brokenness in our freedom. So we're all struggling. We're all just trying to get through this year as best we can. But I want to suggest that precisely because this is not a typical 4th of July, that God actually gives us an opportunity to reflect on the value of freedom and how God provides freedom in our lives, even in these difficult circumstances. The reality is, our country was built on a promise of freedom. It's written right into the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the reality is, this writing in the Declaration of Independence was actually built upon the even greater promises of freedom that are found in scripture. And even if Thomas Jefferson, kind of writing that document, didn't really have in mind the full breadth of what freedom looked like, that picture of freedom has always been in God's mind. That's why, you know, God has told us from the very beginning, all people every woman, every man is created in his image, is precious to him. And that's why the picture that we have of who belongs in the church is people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. It's a picture of freedom. It's a picture of freedom for all that God desires for us to have. And it's found throughout Jesus's ministry. In John chapter 8 verse 32 Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then in a little later in verse 36 he says if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. In Galatians 5 chapter 1 it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And then in Galatians 5 13 it says you brothers and sisters were called to be free. In 2 Corinthians 3:17 it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Jesus in describing his own ministry echoes the words of the prophet Isaiah when he says, "The Spirit of the Lord is on me." Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These are amazing promises of freedom that we have in scripture. But then we confront the reality that for many of us. We don't experience the fullness of this freedom in our daily lives. And we recognize that all the more in this season with the pandemic. There are everyday things that we're used to taking for granted that now feel so challenging. Going to the grocery store, seeing friends and family, getting a haircut, now comes with the inevitable question, Is it safe to do this? Do I feel free? And I love this picture when I saw it. It just reflects how stressed we all are and how we can feel like freedoms have been constrained and taken away. And the reality is, the challenges that we have in this season with freedom really reflect struggles that we have with freedom all the time, and they're just magnified right now. That right now, Many of us are struggling far more with anxiety around our health, but the reality is all of us are susceptible to illness and disease and the effects of aging. And if not now, then at some point we're all going to wrestle with feeling like our freedom has been taken away because our bodies have let us down. And many of us right now are feeling a loss of freedom because of finances. But the reality is all of us have been there at one time or another where we've wanted to do things but finances have held us back. And some of us feel that all the time with student loans or job loss or just the crazy uh, cost of living here in Silicon Valley. And then for all of us, relationships are facing a special burden right now. Uh, We're all feeling trapped in our homes. Some of us feel trapped and wish we could see friends and family that are outside our home. Others of us feel trapped and we're seeing the same people day after day. And we wish we could escape our homes and escape the people that we have to see every day. But relationships are often a place where we feel like we've lost freedom, we've lost independence, and we struggle with that. And then the reality of this time, where in our nation we're struggling with the the reality that freedom and liberty is not equally shared by all. And for me, as an Asian American pastor here at this church, It's given me an opportunity to reflect and to realize how grateful I am to God to be a part of new beginnings and that how much of my own understanding of who God is and what it looks like to faithfully follow Jesus is shaped and blessed by my friendship and relationship with Pastor Herman, with others on staff, and others in our community. And when they've shared their lives with me, when I see their tenacity in following Jesus, their perseverance and the hope that they have in the midst of suffering, I know that so much of that is shaped by their experience of being black in America. And so I've been encouraged in my own times with God to know that my role in this time is to grieve with those who grieve, to allow my heart to be open To the acute pain of injustice and racism that my brothers and sisters, my, my brothers and sisters in this community have to face as a regular part of their daily lives. And sometimes the best thing that we can do is just acknowledge and feel where freedom is missing so that we can come together and try to work for change. But even in spite of that, the reality is when we're feeling that freedom is missing, when we're feeling that freedom is lost, it never feels good. And so maybe you're with me today in crying out to God, God, where is this freedom that you promised? What does it mean when you said that if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed? What does that mean for us? So today we're going to take a look at freedom and what it looks like for God to provide freedom in our lives. We're going to look at it through the encounter that Jesus has with two very different people, both of whom in their own way are freedom challenged. And these two people, both from the Gospel of Mark, are going to show us what freedom isn't, what freedom is, and how to live in the freedom that God provides for us. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And I'll go ahead and and read this encounter for us. So it says, They, and that is Jesus and his disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his feet in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name don't torture me for Jesus had said to him come out of this man you impure spirit This man is often known as the Gerasene demoniac he's a man that is described in this passage as you know having an impure or evil spirit that he's wrestling with and the interesting thing about this man is that in many ways he represents both pure freedom and the lack of freedom at the same time. And when I think of him, I actually think of... Um, The chains that are talked about in that passage. That there are people, because he was roaming free, because people were afraid of him, people tried to chain him to restrict his freedom. And the chains could not hold him. And so he would rip through the chains. Nothing could keep him in a particular place. Nothing could keep him from acting in the way that he wanted to act. But while he was free from the chains and he could do whatever he wanted... He was also a man in deep spiritual bondage. And in this way, it's interesting because freedom isn't always that easy to define. The line between freedom and the lack of freedom is often blurred. When I was preparing for this message, I actually asked my 11-year-old daughter, how would you define freedom? And she looked at me and without a bat, she replied, freedom is being able to do whatever you want. And for my daughter, what that would look like is from the time she wakes up, she would park herself in front of the computer. She would be able to watch YouTube videos all through the day, as many as she wanted, and no one could tell her to stop or to do anything different. And the reality is, I think all of us can identify with that a little bit. We'd love to be able to do whatever we want to do. We all have a little bit of an inner 11-year-old just wishing that we could live life without restrictions. And when she replied that way, it actually reminded me of my own kind of inner 11-year-old and 11-year-old moment. I actually was probably a little bit younger than her. But there was one night uh, that I found myself with my family at a Chinese cultural music event. And I was probably about eight or nine years old, and we were in one of those auditoriums that is a part of a school, and it doubles as a multi-purpose room. So there was a stage at one end, and the rest of the room was where kids normally eat lunch. And I'm sure that there were some people there uh, for that event that were really excited about the music, but I was an eight or nine-year-old boy, and I just got to be honest, I was bored out of my mind. And so I got up, I slipped away, and I was just standing beside the Coke machine that was in the lunchroom. And just reflectively, because I was an eight-year-old boy, I slipped my fingers into the coin return, and lo and behold, I found two quarters. And at that moment, I felt like I was the richest kid in the world. And instantly, I had a craving for a soda. Um, I looked at all the soda choices, and I saw that there was an orange soda. And in my family, we didn't get to drink soda a whole lot. And so, I put the coins into the uh, uh, soda machine. The can of soda drops out. I grab it. And then, of course, instantly, I look around. Because I don't want my parents to see what I'm doing. I don't want anything to get in the way between me and the soda. And I'm nervous because I want to make sure I'm able to drink it. So I pop it and I chug the whole thing as fast as I can under 10 seconds. And even today, 35 years later, I still remember the feeling of the stomach ache that hit around 30 seconds after that. That was my own moment of recognizing that freedom can often come with consequences that we can't escape. That freedom isn't all, defining freedom isn't always so simple. And I think we all recognize, we all learn at some point or another that there can be something that we feel free to do in the short term but in the long term it can bring misery, it can bring major consequences. Certainly any of us who've struggled with addiction or other compulsions recognize that that is true. And so that's a part of where we find this, this man, that when he comes to Jesus, he has a semblance of freedom on the outside, but inside he's shackled, he's out of control, and he's needing healing and deliverance from Jesus. So he comes to Jesus, he throws himself at Jesus' feet, and then I want you to notice this. He is both attracted to and repulsed by Jesus at the very same time. He comes to Jesus because he knows that Jesus has an answer for him. He, Jesus has the power to give him what he's seeking. But at the same time, the struggles that he has has been such a big part of who he is that he doesn't want Jesus to mess with his life. So he comes to Jesus and then he says, Jesus, don't torture me. Stay away from me. Don't mess with my life. And so the first thing that we learn from this encounter between this man and Jesus is a lesson about freedom. Freedom always starts with an encounter with Jesus. And you may be familiar with what happens next in this man's life. Jesus orders the spirits inside of him out of the man. He sends them into a herd of pigs. The pigs run down a hill. They end up drowned in a lake. And the people find this man sitting with Jesus, dressed in his right mind. And then it's at this point that Jesus gives us a, a full picture of what freedom actually looks like. And that the freedom is actually more than just a freedom from something. It's not, the, the freedom that Jesus brought into this man's life wasn't just freedom from constraints or freedom from bondage or f- freedom from the spirits that haunted him. It was actually even bigger than that. Because what Jesus provided for this man was a freedom for something. A freedom for the purposes of God. And that is the most important freedom that we can possibly have. Not just a freedom for, from constraints. But a freedom for the reason why God loves us. And gave us the gift of life. And called us into relationship with him. And set us into this world. It's a freedom for the purposes of God. You see, at the end of this account in Mark chapter 5, verses 18 and 20, um, the people actually freaked out about what just happened. They asked Jesus to leave. They don't want to have anything else to do with him. And the man sees that Jesus is going to leave and he says, take me with you. I want to, I want to stay with you. And Jesus actually says no to him. Jesus says, uh, the, Mark five nineteen says, Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And this is the key to see. That true freedom isn't just about being able to do what we want. True freedom isn't about God answering our every prayer. And allowing us to get our own way. And have our own plans come to light. True freedom is being able to engage with Jesus, to hear how he is calling us and leading us and being able to say yes to God in order to fulfill his purpose for our lives. And that's what this man was able to do. Healed and delivered by Jesus. The last place that he probably wanted to go go was back home to his family, back to among the people that only knew him as a crazy, out-of-control, demon-possessed person. He wanted to go with Jesus But Jesus had a different plan and purpose for him. And because he was truly free, he was able to say yes to God and fulfill his purpose for his life. The reality is, walking in freedom in this way is not easy. Sometimes it is the hardest decision that we can make. And the Second person that we're going to look at, and just really quickly uh, before we come to a close, the second person that we look like shows us just how hard it is to live in this kind of freedom, but he also teaches us the key to being able to say yes to God. We find him in Mark chapter 10 verse 17, and I'll read this for us. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. The man answered, teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything that you have and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, at first glance, this man seems as different from The guy we saw in Mark 5 as possible. This man has wealth. This man has resources. This man has autonomy. He can do whatever he wants. Instead of chains, when I think of this man, uh, I would think of, you know, like a super exclusive credit card. Um, Something like, you know, this American Express card. A card that I don't have, but a card that if this man was in Silicon Valley at this time would be in his pocket because he had resources. He was a moral man on top of all of that. He could do whatever he wanted. But here's what I find fascinating. In one way, this man in Mark 5 that's possessed by demons and this man in Mark 10 who is rich and, and has, has full control of his life, in some ways, they're totally opposite. And in other ways, they are exactly the same at their core. They both have a desperate need that they can't meet on their own. For this rich man, he comes before Jesus and he asks, how do I get eternal life? I have all these great things in my life, but there's something that's missing. There's something that cries out inside of me that I want more. I need to know that God is with me. I need to know that my life has eternal significance. And so he comes to Jesus. And both of these men instinctively know that Jesus has the answer that they're seeking. And then both of these men, when they come before Jesus, both of them end up both compelled and repelled by Jesus. You can see this man comes before him, gets an answer. He's excited for what Jesus has to say and then when Jesus says, go, sell all that you have, give it away, you can almost imagine this rich man saying, just like the demoniac did, don't torture me, Jesus. Why are you telling me this? This is not what I want to hear. And the reality is, these two men are not just like each other. These two men are also just like us. That we all have areas of our lives where we don't feel free, where we're missing something, where we've tried to obtain it on our own time and time again. We've tried to change us or change our circumstances and we realize that we can't get what we want out of life on our own and we instinctively know that God is a part of the answer, that we need something from God to live the life that we were supposed to live. And so we come to God, and just like these two men, part of us is attracted to the promise of God's goodness and his grace and his favor, but part of us is also deathly afraid when we come to God because we have our own plans and we have our own dreams of what we want life to look like, and we don't want God to mess with our lives too much. We don't want God to lead us in a path that we're not sure we want to go. And often, when we do have a sense Of what it looks like to be a part of God's story. To be a part of God making a difference in this world. It is a direction that we never anticipated. And then we're just like these two men. In having to make a decision about whether we are free to say yes to what God is asking us to do. And the heartbreaking thing in this story is that this rich man turns away and goes away sad. He's not able to say yes to Jesus. And I don't think it's because God set him up. It wasn't because Jesus gave it an impossible task to force him to say no. In fact, the text itself says, reminds us that Jesus looked at this man and loved him. And I think that's the key difference. That's the key thing that teaches us what this man actually needed. Because unlike that Gerasene demoniac in Mark 5 that had a deep experience of the power and love of God in his life, this rich man turned away early. He didn't follow up with a question about Jesus, to Jesus. He didn't wrestle and struggle with Jesus. Instead, he just turned and left and he never had an experience of the depth of God's love that was in Jesus' heart. He never allowed God's love to break through into his life. And because God's love didn't break through into his life, he wasn't able to say yes to what God was asking, us, asking him to do. And that's the lesson that this man teaches us. We won't be able to fully say yes to God until we know how much God loves us. That's been true in my own story. The reality is, uh, for much of my life, I have felt like that rich man. I've had plans of my own, lots of different choices about which way I wanted my life to go. And if you had told me in high school or in college that I would be standing here on this stage today as a pastor, I would have laughed at you, and then I would have run away from you as fast as I could because it was never my plan for my life to be a pastor, to be here today. But the reality is there have been other times in my life where I have felt just like that Gerasene demoniac in Mark 5. And I've wrestled with the areas of my life where I've struggled with addiction or I have felt like I've been oppressed by habitual patterns or sins or coping mechanisms that I couldn't break free of on my own. And that I needed Jesus to show up. And when I came to Jesus, I was deathly afraid of what he would do. But rather than more judgment or more condemnation, I experienced that Jesus was for me and not against me. That he was able to set me free. That he was able to change me from the inside out. And it's because I've had that incredible experience of God's love in my life that I've been able to say yes when God has taken me in directions that I did not expect. And I've been able to keep saying yes to be wrapped into God's story, to be wrapped into God's work in this world, to hopefully, through my life, make a difference in the, in the world around me. And I want to encourage you just to say, the way that God calls you is not going to look the same as the way that God calls me. That's a part of the reality that the way uh, Jesus called the man in Mark 5 was different than what he asked the man in Mark 10 to do. And the way that he calls us is going to come in the middle of the craziness of the world. It's going to come in the middle of a pandemic. It's going to come in the middle of us feeling like life has robbed us of freedoms that we hope for, that life maybe hasn't turned out the way that we hope for, that we're limited, that we're constrained. And in the middle of all of that, God still gives us the opportunity each day to ask him, God, what do you want me to do with my life today? What do you want me to do with my life that reflects your goodness, that honors you, that participates with you in the work that you are doing to change the world? And if we're at a place where we have experienced the love of God, where the love of God is a part of our story, where we recognize how good God is, has been to us, where we recognize that Jesus gave his life to love us and to save us, then even if the way that God calls us is different than what we had planned, we're going to be able to say yes to him. We're going to be able to walk in true freedom in the most important freedom that there is. The freedom to say yes to God and to fulfill God's purpose for our life. Amen. So today I want to, as we close, I want to invite you just to let us know if there's a next step that you want to take with God. If you've heard the voice of God just speaking to you through the message today, I want to invite you to fill out our online connection card, which is a way to respond to God and to say yes. And you may be listening today and you may be recognizing That God has been loving you and pursuing you all through your life. And today is the day that God has given you an invitation to say yes to following him for the very first time. Or making a recommitment to follow him because you haven't been walking with him in the way that he's invited you to do. And today you want to come back to aligning your life with God's purposes. You can mark that down right on the connection card and someone from our Next Steps team would love to follow up with you and see if we can be a support to you in your journey with God. There may be others of you that know that God has been putting something on your heart, leading you in a particular way, and it's been hard for you to say yes but this day you want to walk in freedom to say yes to what God is calling you to do. And in the message response on the connection card, you can just mark um, that you respond to today's message that you will say yes to what God is asking. So as we close, I just want to invite you to hold out your hands and we will close in prayer together. Father God, thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you that you give us freedom this day to follow you, to walk with you, to receive your love and to say yes to how you are leading and guiding in our lives. Would you help us to fulfill your purpose for our lives that we would be a part of the work that you are doing to change our world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for our worship gathering today. I hope you have an amazing rest of your July 4th weekend. Uh, Next week is part two of this message on freedom, so I hope you can join us. We also are sharing a special story from our community as a part of that, so I'm super excited to share that with you. Uh, Two weeks from now, Pastor Herman will be back with a brand new message, so you won't want to miss that. We have great gatherings coming up all through July. And I have two reflection questions for you today that come out of the message. Uh, The first is, what has God put on your heart? Is there a way that he's calling you to take a step forward uh, to be a part of the work that he's doing in this season? And the second is, what makes it hard for you to say yes? So I hope these reflection questions help you to go deeper with the message today, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless you.